0: Thanks. Well, I'm <clears throat> glad that you're here tonight. We're gonna start a series called Jesus at the center. Uh how many need Jesus to be at the center of your life? Yes. Amen. And uh uh, I, I don't know if you were here a few weeks back, I had the privilege of sharing a similar topic and um, talked about how so often I end up in that center place of my life whenever I'm really being honest with myself and I look at the center of my life. Um, my intention is that I want Jesus to be there in that center spot. But uh, all too often I'll look up and I'll say, oh... I've, I've taken your seat again, Lord. You know, will you please help me? Would you instruct me? And uh, is it not a wonderful thing that His grace and mercy is brand new every morning? Right? It's not like He said, "Go a strength, a length of time, and uh, and then I'll renew my grace and mercy." It's moment by moment, and uh, and He is just so faithful, is He not, to our lives and uh, and to us? So we're going to go down this journey together, and I I don't know what it's going to look like each you know week. I've I planned a few a few. Unique things, I guess. Uh, and so I'll just ask you to go on the journey with me, okay? Tonight we're going to we're gonna, uh, do a four, the four-week series. We're going to do tonight, we're going to do uh, Who Am I? Next week we're going to do What Do I Believe? And the next week we're going to do How Do I Live It Out? And the last time we're going to do Jesus at the Center, okay? So those are gonna be the, that's going to be the journey we're going to go on. So tonight we're going to start with Who Am I? Look at your neighbor and say, Who are you? Now, do it again. Who are you really? <laughs> really? Now, the person asking the question has some ideas of who they think you are, you know. Uh, but who, who really, who are you? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Um, yeah. Who am I? You get into a place where you feel like everything else and everyone else has defined who you are, but you get to and you get to a place where all of those people have a, have abandoned you or walked out of your life, everything, and you're isolated and alone. You get to a space and you're like, no, "Wait a second, I don't really know who I am. I need to I need to search inside to see what who who am I really? Um, I know for a lot of my life, uh, be it blaming on." whatever you want to blame on insecurities or whatnot, a lot of my life was a montage or a collage of a bunch of different people around me because I would take on different personalities as I would hang out with different people and be around them and I would adopt certain traits of them and I would just look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I don't know where Kevin is in any of this. I just see all of these other people and certain areas will manifest themselves in a, in a broader light when I get around those certain individuals, you know? And, uh, you know, no, really, truly, when I pull back, I, I realize as the Lord ministers to me and speaks to me and, um, and as I grow, that you know, though there are lots of wonderful people in my life, the Lord has some special things that He's designed specifically in me. And, um, and that's, you know, that's something where I have to step back and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to hear what you have to say about my life and who I am. And I'm going to allow you to define who I am. And, uh, and so tonight I want to, I want to go in a direction of us evaluating our lives. Who, who am I? Who am I really? And, uh, and, and look at that. So the verse that we're going to send around and guys, did we... I love this team that we have. I sent this to them. We're supposed to send these in way early, and I got it to them like a couple hours ago. So I'm just so thankful for their grace. Uh, but we're, the one good thing is this is going to be the scripture we're going to stick with over the whole series. And this is it, okay? So we're going to read this. So would you read this? You don't have to stand. Would, would you read this with me? For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10. So we are God's handiwork. Do you know the magnitude and the gravity of just that part of the scripture? We are, God's handi- we are God's handiwork. We are God's handiwork. I'm not talking about, you know, I could show you some of my handiwork, and I could have the genesis of an uproar of laughter in here if I showed you some of the things that I've created. But we are God. I'm talking about the God who breathes stars. Right, I'm talking about the God who put the sun in the sky, the moon in the sky, that the Earth revolves around. This expanse of a universe that we have no idea, really, how big and how enormous. That God who created all of that, looking at that third rock from the sun down on us, who created—we are His, His handiwork. That's significant. That's huge. That's that's really, really big. And when you put yourself in a perspective of understanding that, that type of God is the one who created you, then boy, you begin to think, man, I, there's, something, there's something really might be potentially real special about my existence and the reason I'm here and, and what he wants to do in me because really, honestly, we don't have anything to do with it. It's who he's called us to be. Yeah. We get in the way. So we're going to talk about that tonight. Um, so who am I? My name is Kevin O'Day. Hi. I have made many, 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 many choices in my life. I've made a lot of good choices. I've made a lot of bad choices. And some of the choices that I've made uh, have ushered me into seasons of great joy and excitement. And some of the choices that I've made have been ill-advised, unwise, and just plain wrong. There are choices that I regret And there are choices that I would make over and over and over again. But there is this one particular choice that I made in my life that was an absolute game changer for every other choice to come down the road of my life. And that choice was the one that said, Jesus Christ, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. The mo- I believe that the most important decision that we will make throughout our entire lifetime won't be our spouse, it won't be the names of our kids, it won't be uh, how much money we have in the bank, the job, the career, all those things. The very, the very best decision, the, the top decision, the most important one, will be the one that says, Jesus Christ, I choose you. I choose you. And when we get to that place and we understand the magnitude and the gravity of that choice, everything after that point changes. All the other choices, when I said I made many, many, many choices, all of the other choices are influenced because of that choice. The gravity and the weight of the decision to follow Jesus. When I made the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life, he took a wretched, twisted, perverse, and ugly story that Kevin was writing and he renovated it with his incredible, outrageous, fun, and full-of-life story that is Kevin O'Day today. Now, I intentionally used the word renovated because as I was studying and I thought I was going to use the the, the, the vocabulary word replaced... And I think that you could certainly justify that scripturally. But I chose the word renovated because as I look at my life... I don't see my life as a point when I said, Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life, and now all of a sudden I, am, I, I no longer ex- There's nothing back here that I ever did wrong. I, when you replace something, if I was to take a book off the shelf and I replaced it with another book, that means that there is nothing connected to the book that was left. It's two different entities. Are you with me? Right. I'm not wanting this to be confusing. Okay, so Because I'm a visual person, I came up with a visual example, so because I, I really want you to get this. This is going to be a, 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 an important point as we go down in our journey in the next few weeks. So, if you'll if you'll do me a favor, Suzanne and Sue, would you come up here real quick? <laughs> <clears throat> Suzanne or Sue? Yes, yeah, Suzanne. Would you <laughs> hold that? You, you. And would you hold this over here? Huh? Now, I want you to hold it with both hands, and I want you to separate these strings. Got it. Separate them, like, large, like, big time. There we go. Okay. This is when I was born. And I was born into a world of sin. The yellow string is my life. Okay? And then you can see that the darker uh, string represents the sin that I was bound to. Okay? So, I was, I was bound to this sin, and, I, and in this time, in this season, I probably made some good choices. Probably made some bad choices. Right? I, I know I made bad choices. I made, you know, all of the decisions. I was a living life. This was before Christ. Before Christ, you are bound and enslaved to this world of sin. You are bound to it. You are chained to it. You can work very hard to try to make choices to make yourself good enough or perfect enough, and it's not going to work, but you're bound. You're stuck. But there comes a point in a decision in your, uh, that you make in your life where you say... I'm going to ask Jesus to come into my heart. That would be my time when that happened. And God comes in and he says, boom, I'm going, to un- I'm going to unbind you, right? I'm going to completely take your life and I'm going to make it to where you're not bound and you don't have to look like this anymore. Your life can look like this, okay? And so here I am in this, in this side of life. Now here's the thing, the interesting thing about these, these strings, is that at any moment if I wanted to, I'm not bound to this. Nothing here, I, be, I'd be hard pressed to, to separate this and try to make it straight. But here, I can choose to do this right here. I can choose it, but I'm not bound by it. That's good. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not bound by it, okay? So that's point number one. Point number two, when I'm over here, I have a commission. And my commission, my commission is to point others to Jesus Christ. Amen. The way that the most powerful tool I have to point people to Jesus Christ is my testimony. I don't have a testimony without this point right here. This point has everything to do with what happened here—the conversion that He did, what He did in my life to make this happen right here. So this is a part of my life. This did not erase, it didn't disappear. I don't have holy amnesia. I don't—I didn't forget the things that happened right here in my life. These were these were decisions. This was sin. I was entangled. Uh, uh, to, and and this was a part of my this was a part of my existence here on the earth. I don't live here anymore, but this is significant because back here I was giving myself and the world glory. Over here, I'm redeeming this to give Him glory. Amen. Are you with me? Okay, so you get that picture, right? Okay, so he has renovated my life. He has renovated. And what you do with the renovation is you look at something and you say, no, I don't, this is not how it's going to be. We are going to make it new. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to make this and we're going to take what it is. Now I have, I serve a God who has a habit of taking Uh, taking bad things and making them new or taking my ashes of my former life and making something beautiful out of it, right? So this is my ashes and this is the beauty, right? Okay, thank you so much. Would you give them a hand? Vanna and Vanna, okay. So there are a myriad of choices that I made before Christ that I wouldn't make now in Christ. But does it mean that those choices I made before Christ never were made? The difference is now that instead of the world getting the glory from my past choices, I refer back to those choices and hope to give God glory for who I am now. So now I'm walking out my life in process. Anybody in here in process? You know, a lot of this when I speak these next three, I'm just gonna be talking about my life because I that's I'm most educated on my life, you know. I'm in process, I'm walking this thing out. There's no perfect bone in my body. I need Jesus Christ strength every day and his mercies are new for me, but I'm walking this out, but I have full access because of Jesus to the Father. I have full access to the Father, and that's exciting to me. And I don't know that this generation, when I say this generation would be my generation, the ones coming up behind me. I don't know that we understand how powerful, how potent, how wonderful, how awesome it is that we have access to the Father. In fact, I know that my generation has no idea. Because instead of tapping into that access, we're redefining who we're going to be based on what we feel what we want to do. And we just want to tag God on the portions that would make us feel good. And so... And so we have, I have access to my father and everything he has to say about I am. The issue that I find is that we struggle, uh, the issue that we struggle with is tapping into the access we have been given to the father. I have gone keyless. I don't know if you carry on keys to your vehicles and your house. I've gone keyless. Uh, my uh, my wonderful father-in-law here built a door at my uh, in my office at the school. That's a punch code now, and my car doesn't require a key, and uh, my house I uh, don't I don't need a key to get in my house. So I've gone keyless, and the only place that I really need a key is the church. And it gets so darn frustrating on Tuesday mornings when we have a staff meeting and I can't get in the building. I'm banging on the door because I used to have the key to get in. Keys are only good if you have them. If you have a key, it's only, it's only worth anything if you use it to access what you're trying to get into, right? Okay. So we have access to the Father. It's like we've been given these keys to wonderful things, permission, special privilege to go inside, but it's like we, we have them on our person just as extra weight. We don't use them for what they were intended to be used for, right? And so I think that the issue uh, in, in our, that we struggle with sometimes is accessing the Father who is the creator, that same star breather I talked about. He's our Father, right? If you've given your life to the Lord, He's your Father. And uh, we don't access Him to allow Him to speak into our lives so that He can define the truth of who we are. Jesus said, who is our ultimate example... That the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Now, I'm not extremely smart, but if I look at Jesus and Jesus says, I can't do anything w- without looking at my father, who am I to walk around thinking I can have anything together without looking at my father, right? That Now, that's just like, a no-brain I think that's a no-brainer, but I mean it just but but man, we don't get it, right? If you're honest with you, if I mean if I'm honest with myself, I don't get it all the time. I'm just I'm just like and I see myself I fall on my face and I think, how did I get here? Well Jesus will say oh, if you look at me more instead of yourself, yeah. right? If you let me speak into that situation, if you would consult me on that decision. And uh, this is the beauty the beauty and the frustration of the God we serve is that he says, hey, I'm here. You have access to me, but I'm not going to force myself on you. I'm just going to be here. I'm available. I'm never going to turn my back on you. But boy, if you don't want me, I'll let you fall on your face and we'll learn this until we, get it, until we get it right. Right? And he'll just say, okay, we'll just let you, we'll let you do it your way. He's so gracious. Oh, he's so gracious. The easy answer to the question, who am I? is that I am God's handiwork. And there's gravity in that statement. I could show you some of my handiwork, like I said before, and it would, it would cause uproar or laughter. But the reason that we struggle with understanding who we are is because we don't access the one who has the answer. Good. If we don't allow God to define who we are, the world has no problem doing it for Him. If we don't allow God to define who we are, the world has no problem doing it for Him. And the world is made up of people. And one lesson that I've learned is that people are people and people are broken. People are people and people are broken. I have had the most terrific, wonderful, incredible, fun-loving Christians say the most wretched, horrible things about me in my life. I've had people gossip behind me. Wonderful, wonderful people whom are dear that I love. I've had people slander all of these things. And guess what? People are people and people are broken. Yeah. yeah. Because I would be remiss to say that I wasn't in a category like that for, for somebody else. People are people and people are broken. And guess what? Whenever we look to broken, messed up people to define who we are, then we're going to get broken, messed up answers about who we are. But so often that's what we do. So often that's what we do. I, I want to know. Oh, i hope help Anna. What does she think about who? What, what does she think about me? Who does she say I am? That's who I am. What does he say? How have I hurt or offended this person? What am I doing? And and I and I we come up and we build these cases in our mind of yeah. who we are. And God just says, "Cut it out." Yeah. I've told you who you are. And boy, what things would be happening in the kingdom if we would tap into who he says we are and really thrive and live there as opposed to struggling through what everybody else says, these broken people. Let, let me do the flip side of that. What if we focus more about who God says we are than trying to tell everybody else who, else, who they are? I went through a season in my life really trying to understand who I was. And um, God doesn't, I I know that God, I don't know, probably God's, I I know for Barbie, I think sometimes she's shared, uh, God speaks through dreams to to some people. And really, I've only had one experience like that in my life. And it was really wonderful. But I've only had, I've got one dream and the Lord gave it to me. I'm going to share it with you tonight. And I've shared it before. So some of you, forgive me if I'm telling the story again. But it goes with this tonight. I remember um, in this dream, I was in the backyard of some place and uh, I think it may, have been, it may have been my house, but I was heading out to a shed. And uh, as I was walking toward this shed, I would go in and I remember looking, going into the shed and kind of looking and I pan it in my mind. It was kind of like a, like a movie, you know, as the camera pans slowly. But I remember looking up and seeing the beams of light coming through the window where you could see the dust, you know, what was happening. And really what it was, it was a shed out back, but it was more like a workshop. And as I was uh, in this workshop, I, I remember the smells. I remember so much this dream. All the different details. I could tell you some of the things, the tools that were hanging on the wall. I could tell you what it looked like right outside the door where the the grass had grown too grown too tall and hadn't been cut. I could tell you so much vividly about this dream, just the pictures that the Lord put in my mind. But as I was walking into this place and I smelt the atmosphere of the room, I heard some sounds over to my left when I walked through the door, and there was this big long wooden table and there was a uh, uh, there was a man. He was standing there and he was working on crafting together and building the statues. And he was he was shaving off things and he was working. I, 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 he, there was nothing special about the man. He was just a man. I do know that he had gray hair and he was bald uh, and, and had a gray beard. But he was um, just at work, just at work, looking at uh, uh, working on these um, statues. And so I remember looking at him and then I remember turning around and I started to see these statues just placed strategically all throughout this shed, this room, and so I went, curiously, I went over to the statue and I, and I looked down at it. And for some reason, when I looked down at the statue, I knew at that moment who that statue represented. And at the time, it was one of my best friends. And I looked at the statue and, and I said, huh, that's, that's, that's him. Okay. And then I went and looked at another statue. And I started to look at the intricate detail with which the statue, by which the statues were made. And I started to be mesmerized by all of the different statues and all of the different intricacies of the, of the way that it was crafted. And, and as I, as I moved down the line and it was different people, different people in my life, important, significant people in my life, colors started to be added. And I started to have an excitement well up inside me. I remember feeling the emotion of excitement. I remember feeling the emotion of joy. I remember being so happy about what all of these people looked like and, and, and all of the work. And it was one of those things, if you've ever been to an art museum and you enjoy art, you stand at a picture and you just stare. You could stare at it, looking at it for for um, what seems to be hours. you know. And that's what I felt myself doing. Well, as I continue to go through, through all of these statues and all these people, people that were coming up from, from way back in the past and all these things, I got excited and I began, a question began to rise up in my, in my spirit. Where am I? Where am I? Because I saw all of these, and and I was just curious because I was thinking, man, all of these wonderful statues are here. All of these intricately done, it's just incredible. I wanted to know where I was, so I, you know, and I remember rushing back to the table and I was so cut off guard because I wanted to stop and continue to look at the people that were represented there. And I go back to the table and I say, hey, where... Where's my statue? Where, where am I? And he set down the, um, the tool he was working with and he pointed, he didn't make any eye contact, but he pointed over into the corner and then went right back to work. And so I was excited because I was going to get to see what I look like. And I was most concerned at that moment more than anybody else in the room seeing of who, who I, where, where I was and what I looked like. And, and so I remember rushing through. And, and as I rushed through, I remember turning around. And I don't know how this happened, but all of the statues I had passed on my way had all changed by the time I turned around. And they were bigger and beautiful and more beautiful and better than the ones that I had passed. And I just had to stare at them. And they were taller. And they were, like, they were just gemstones. And I mean, just crazy, incredible things things that just would captivate you and keep your attention. And so I I went and I desperately was searching for mine and as the joy in me and the excitement started to translate into frustration, started to translate into um, uh, anger because I couldn't find myself. I was rushing through and all of a sudden it wasn't as important to me to look at all of those details because I couldn't find where I was. And I went back and I remember slamming my hands down on the table in frustration. I said, I can't find myself. And he in turn slammed down his tool and he looked at me and he took his finger and he held it and he pointed over to the corner. Well, I remember taking my eye and following his finger all the way down and keep looking back and forth and I walked over and in the corner of this room, beyond the statues in the corner was this carved out wastebasket. And I looked back at him because I was in disbelief. And I looked back at him, and I looked, and he, and he nodded as if I was in the right place. And I picked it up, and I brought it over to the table. And I said, this is me? And he shaked his head, yes. And I started to get really angry. And I remember crying, and I remember being upset because of everybody else in the room, I got to be a wastebasket. And I was mad at him. And as I stopped... He took the wastebasket, and everything he had been working on there, there were shavings and broken pieces all around. He took his long arm and took the width of the table and took the basket down, and he scooted everything in it, and he put it inside the wastebasket. And he put it on the table, and he said to me, You see wastebasket, I see refuge for broken people. And in that moment, I just wept. Because I realized in the moment when I was trying to find myself, God had been using me to be a refuge and a place for people to come who are broken. Who had lost their way. And and that was a season in my life where there were people that needed to have Jesus. That's who they needed. And they didn't have anywhere else to go. See... He, what you perceive as your reality sometimes is not the reality. What he says is happening. He, what he says you are is who you are. God's perspective about who you are is always better than what you can come up with. God's perspective will always be better than what you want. The reality is he says, he, what he says, who he says you are is who you are. God doesn't make mistakes. There would be people in our world today who would do anything, and I do mean anything, to create something else than who God created them to be. We live in a generation that is redefining Christianity without using biblical principles. And that's scary. Because... This is the most tangible, concrete place for us to learn the character of God and how to hear from Him and how to know how to know, how to hear about who He says we are is through this. And with a generation who seems to put this on the back burner, seems to rely on people in the pulpit to say this is the truth without... Digging in and building a relationship with it themselves. It becomes scary because as we redefine this, this term Christian or Christianity. The church as a whole starts to take on all sorts of different forms. And I don't believe, I don't believe that it was at all what the Lord intended it to be. There's some extremely interesting things happening in our world today. And so I couldn't really be more confused than I am now. I want to tell you, I'm a man. God created me to be a man. I will always be a man. I am not a horse. I am not a dog. I'm not a bear. I could grow my hair out as long as it could go. I could grow my facial hair out. I could get on all fours and start running around outside. I could eat grass for days, I could go into a stable and I could live there, I could smell, I could tell people, I am a horse, of course, of course, (laughs) you could start believing that I'm a horse but no matter how far that train goes, the truth remains that I'm a man, that's who God created me to be and there are some real interesting things happening in our society today And it's because we have a generation who has decided, I'm going to make life about me. And so how do I feel about who I am to be? But there's been a change in these last few years because that's actually been around for a while. What's happened in the last few years is that people have started to rally around that idea. And we start to celebrate when people go because we want to make sure, catch me, we want to make sure that they know that we support them so that they don't think ill will against us. Because we need them to think good things about us because that helps define who we are because we're not listening to the truth. Good. Good. And so it continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Yeah. This is what scripture says in the book of Timothy. And I'm going to read the whole script, verse, but there's a part at the beginning I want to labor on. But understand this, that in the end days... There will come times of difficulty. Are we in times of difficulty? Would you say? I'm in times of difficulty. I'm walking in times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderers, without self control. Brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. Lovers of pre- pleasure than, rather than lovers of God. Having an appearance of godliness but denying its power. And then it says, avoid such people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm so, I can touch every one of these in my life with people that are around me. Every single one. I could, I could, I could it's, it's, so, it's so around where we are. And what scares me is when it says avoid such people. What does that mean? What, you know, how do we walk that out? You know, am I just supposed to shun everybody and walk away, you know? And that's a whole message within itself. But here's the thing. I can't go up to Leonardo da Vinci and say, "That's not Mona Lisa. That's Bob Hope." <laughs> that's Michael Jordan. That looks like a dog. I can say that all day to Leonardo da Vinci. But guess what? Leonardo da Vinci is the creator of the Mona Lisa. So he gets to determine what that painting is. God gets to determine who you are. He he gets to do that. And guess what? If you know Jesus Christ and he's the Lord of your life, you get to have access to his truth. And you don't have to buy into anybody else's truth about your life. And as we are tempted to go down, this is where it's going to get hard for us people. And we're going to talk about this as we get into what do I believe and how do I live it out. It's going to be real interesting, okay? But here's the thing. If we don't stay grounded in the Word and we don't know what the truth says, then we could easily wake up down the line and have no idea really where our foundation is. And we won't know what the truth looks like. And that's a scary place to be. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the minority. Welcome to the battle. Now the great thing and what should encourage us and strengthen us is we know who wins at the end. We know who has the victory. We know what he says to be true. And so we can hold on to that strength. We can hold on to that truth. And we can go full force into this world and say, I don't really... What you say about me is totally fine. I stand on the truth of God. What you say about me is totally whatever you say. I stand on the truth of God. I stand on the truth. I stand on the principles of the truth. I'm going to continue to walk. And let me tell you something, as you do that and you stay faithful to him, I believe he's going to be faithful to you. And what it's going to be, it's not about you going out with your tongue. And again, we're going to talk about these next few years. It's not about us going out to our tongue and slandering folks. It's about attracting them to this Jesus because of the way we live our lives. How do I live my life with such joy and peace in the midst of all the trial and tribulation? Because I have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who's ruling and reigning in my life. And so because of that, I'm modeling this life and they don't understand. I don't. You are so attractive to me because you've got this peace and this joy in the midst of all this mess. What are you doing that I'm not doing? Well, I'm certainly not growing my hair out and living out in a stable. I know the truth. I know this God and you need this God. If you would just introduce, if you would just get to know this Jesus Christ... Man, you could have the same peace and joy and love and all of these things that I have. It's nothing that I'm doing. I just giving my life to Him, yeah. right? I want to, and I do have time. I want to. I want to close down with this. Actually, two things. I, I, I wanted to do this because. I want to be accountable to his word. I want, I want what the word says is what you're leaving here with. So what I've done is I have done a sheet here, and it says, who am I at the top? This is certainly not exhaustive. There's so much more. This could be like that thick. But these are just some key points, and it says old identity, new identity in Jesus, and then a scripture that, that backs that up. So would you all pass this out? Because, because we have time, I want to uh, thank you because we have some time here. I just want all I want us to do is I want us to read down the new identity in Jesus section uh, together as kind of like a proclamation. And then as you are, you know, if you if you get to a point on the sheet as we read and you say, you know, I don't know if I I um, can. I, I don't know if I believe that really about myself. There's a scripture right there for you to for you to look at and for you to 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 study So, thank you for those who have helped pass those out. And thank you for allowing me to be quirky and do random crazy things. (laughs) Random things like, have you repeat after me? Okay, here we go. Uh, we're on the section, New Identity in Jesus. Everybody see that? New Identity in Jesus. Okay? You're going, we're going to go down the page, and look, you're going to flip it up like this. And voila, it's already in the right order. It's already in the right format. Does that make sense? So you just flip it up, and we're going to read straight down, and then we're going to flip the whole thing around and read the, bo- and read the back. Okay? So hopefully we got that, okay? So let's just read this together. Because I think sometimes saying things out loud, right? Saying things out loud, you start to think, okay. And really to ask yourself, do I believe what this says? Okay, here we go. I am his child. Are you with me? We're starting there. Let's try it again. I am his child. I am who God created me to be. I am greatly loved by love himself. I am free to live a life without sin. I am in right standing because of Jesus. Fear does not come near me. My treasure is in heaven. I have the mind of Christ. He works through me to accomplish much. I have a peace that I can't explain. I am ruled by the king who lives inside me. I have strength to draw from. I am a new creation. I am healed. I am a conqueror. I can overcome any temptation that comes my way. I am a beacon of light for those who seek it. I know how the story ends and I am on the winning team. Everyone likes to be on the winning team, do we not? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are on the winning team. And you can live a victorious life. And let me tell you something. Victory doesn't happen when Armageddon happens and the sky splits. That's a glorious moment. Victory happens today. It happens tonight because of who you are in Christ Jesus. Not because of who you are because the world says, but because of who he says you are. So I want to encourage you as you are pondering, who am I? What is my life about? Who am I really? Because that should be a question you're asking yourself. That should be a consideration that's happening frequently because the world is so inundating you with these thoughts about who you are. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? These are true. This is truth. Listen to the truth. Meditate on the truth. As much as you're hearing of the world, we need to double and triple the truth in our life so that we can combat what the world is saying. Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram has things to say about you. CNN, Fox, they all have things to say about you. Uh, the, the friends that you're around, your coworkers, all these places, these people have things to say about you. Let me tell you, the truth is found in the Word of God. The truth is found in the Word of God. Amen? I want to end with this. If you'll just... This is, this is a book that changed my life as a senior in high school. And I'm going to read it to you. If you'll just hear me, if Ray can just hang out with me while I read a book to you. Can you do that, man? Amen. He's back there like, okay, we're going to do this. Guys, I'm going to read this book to you and then we're going to dismiss. Thank you so much for allowing me to share tonight. And I hope that we can continue this journey together. This book is called You Are Special by Max Locato. I promise you this was significant in my life as a senior man. As an 18-year-old, this was a significant change in my life, okay? Just because of the message that was within and what the Lord was doing. So hopefully this will minister to some of you, and I'll try to go quickly. I do have some time. The Wemmicks were small wooden people. Of all the wooden people were carved by a woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village. Each wimmick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes. Some were tall and others were short. Some wore hats, some wore coats. But all were made by the same carver and all lived in the village. And all day, every day, the wimmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each wimmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people spent their days sticking stars or dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars too. Some could lift big sticks high above their heads or jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words or could sing pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some women had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good. It made them want to do something else to get another star. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would gather around and give him dots. Sometimes when he fell, his wood would get scratched so the people would give him more dots. Then he would try to explain why he fell. He would say something stilly, and the Wemmicks would give him more dots. After a while, he had so many dots that he didn't want to go outside. He was afraid that he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water, and then people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots that somebody would come up and give him a dot for no reason at all. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good wimmick he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around other wimmicks who had lots of dots. He felt better around them. One day he met a Wemmick who was like anyone he had ever met. She had no dots nor any stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't try to give her stickers. It was just that the stickers didn't stick. Some of the Wemmicks admired Lucia for having no dots. So they would run up to her and give her a star, but it would fall off. Others would look down on her for having no stars. So they would give her a dot. But it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So we asked the stickerless wimmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the wimic who had no stickers, turned and skipped away. But will he want to see me? Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear. So Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around the town, giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he decided to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench, a hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. And he turned to leave. Then he heard his name. Punchinello! The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come and let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little wimmick asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm, the maker spoke thoughtfully as he looked at all of the gray dots. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I, I really tried hard. Oh, You don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No. And you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think. And I think you're pretty special. Punchinello laughed, me special? Why? I I can't walk fast. I can't jump. My paint is peeling. Why do I matter to you? Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hand on the small wooden shoulder, and spoke very slowly, because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I'd been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I, I came because I met someone who had no marks, said Punchinello. I know. She told me about you. W- why don't the stickers stay on her? The maker spoke softly. Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers will only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about their stickers. I'm not sure I understand. Eli smiled. You will. But it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come see me every day and let me remind you how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said to the Wemmick as he was walking out the door, You are special because I made you and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop. But in his heart, he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. Father, I thank you so much that you are our maker. I thank you that we have access to come and see you every single day. To be reminded of how special we are. And that you made us and what you think about us far supersedes what this crummy world says I pray God that we can walk in complete boldness and strength on the foundation of who you say we are in Jesus name, Amen have a great night